It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello and welcome to the show. Today our guest is Nancy Narden, one of the leading experts on sales tools that can help you grow your sales. Nancy, how are you today? I'm doing terrific. Thanks, Andy. So rather than having me just sort of read the standard bio, biographical information about you, why don't you take a minute and introduce yourself to the audience, tell us what you do and who you do it for. Sure. Well, I started Smart Selling Tools about seven years ago and the main purpose is to offer resources for sales and marketing practitioners to learn about tools. And I was maybe a little bit ahead of my time, but mm -hmm. certainly I'm not because there's so many tools out there, over a thousand marketing tools and probably even just as many sales tools. So if, if I was still a sales practitioner, I don't know how I'd figure it all out. So that's what our purpose is at Smart Selling Tools to offer great information. We don't charge for that. We don't sell software. We just uh, make it available for people to help them figure out how to grow their revenue with the right tools. So let's go back a little bit to the beginning. How'd you get your start in sales? Let's see, how did I get my start in sales? I got my start in sales uh, in Sacramento, which is where I'm at now. I kind of came full circle. Uh, and I, was, I got a sales job as a rep in... Um, Radio Shack's very first computer center. Ah. And so I was, you know, thrown into the tech world from that perspective, although it wasn't, I don't know how techy it is now, <laughs> looking back at <laughs> well, the TR, TRS 80. Right, exactly. The TRS 80. Yep. Or, or the Trash 80, as people fondly called it. Yeah, yeah. That was before Windows was a, the default operating system. CPM. CPM, yep, and I was the, I was one who predicted CPM would win out. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe you shouldn't have said that. We're gonna buy you. We're gonna read your newsletter. Exactly right. Um, but but that well, let's just say that's what experience will help you with because that was right. quite a long time ago. Um, and that so that's how I got my 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 start. And then I quickly realized retail is not the the place for me. But it did give me a lot of great experience selling to the government. I mean, I was here in Sacramento, so uh, we were able to sell our handy uh, TRS 80s to to the state government, and gave me some good experience and got me into sales. So I think that's maybe one thing is you know find something that can get you in to sales mm -hmm. so that you can use it as a stepping stone. So where'd you go from there? Uh, well, from there, I didn't know what the heck I was going to do. I had no idea. So I went, actually flew home to Iowa to just think about it. And I was on an airplane. Uh, the plane was full except for one seat next to me. And of course, somebody comes on at the last second. Mm -hmm. And I immediately, you know, passed judgment on the guy. This is terrible to admit. But I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God, I can't believe I'm going to you know, be sitting next to this guy the whole time. And it turns out he was in sales and I was in sales. So we started talking sales philosophy and one thing led to another. Next thing I knew, he was offering me a job uh, at a company called Grid Systems in San Francisco. Actually, at the time, it was in Mountain View. It's oh, yes. in the buildings that uh, Google now lives in. 
And it was across from another startup at the time called Sun Micro. Yep. And so uh, that, I mean, talk about serendipity, right? How does that, how do those kinds of things happen? My, I guess you just have to be open to them. Uh, and Well, you, that, prob- you probably asked a question, I imagine, or he asked you a question. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, we just started in conversation. What do you do? What do you do? And then we started talking about sales and I, I started sharing my philosophy about sales because I've always been a student of sales. And I always wanted to just learn as much as possible and not just rely on like activity le- uh, levels or the um, numbers game, right? So, right. Uh, so we started talking about sales philosophy and, and I, you know, that impressed him that at a young age, I was thinking about all of that. And he really pursued me for the position. I wasn't really sure I really wanted to. I didn't know enough to know what to ask or think about. And I did it anyway. You know, I finally just agreed to it. And so I moved down to Silicon Valley. And here's the thing. And here's what got this. This really got me on the trajectory although I didn't know it at the time, of where I am now. And that is that Grid was the very first laptop computer. In fact, they uh, owned the patent or did, I don't know if they still do, uh, for the clamshell design where mm-hmm. the display comes down over the keyboard. Um, and so nobody knew about laptops at the time. Why My sales pitch was helping them understand and educate them as to why they might want to take a computer with them, if you can believe that. Well, yeah, the, the alternative at that time were those luggables that Compaq was making that were the size of a small rollerboard suitcase. Absolutely, yeah. And but 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 here's the thing. So that was like, well, I'll lug it every once in a while. But why would you need true portability? There weren't apps out like PowerPoint. There was no PowerPoint. We came up with our own slide share, uh, slide um, you know program application, mm-hmm. and so that got people thinking. Wow, we could really differentiate ourselves if we could bring a computer in with us and show a slide show on the computer. And then pretty soon, you know, if we've got our field sales teams using it and our field engineer teams using it, we we need some apps. What are the apps that we can use? And that's really what I think gave birth to the CRM and SFA you know, software industry, because there was no CRM at that point. Right. And SFA, Salesforce Automation. Yes, it is. Yeah. Salesforce Automation. And that's really what started. And then it kind of morphed into CRM or customer relationship management. So I I think I was around at the very beginning. I think the laptop may have been really the first sales tool and Mm -hmm. then we needed software for it. And then I was in sales for, you know, 20, 25 years before I, I started thinking, I, you know, I really, I've always been entrepreneurial. I want to do something on my own. So what do I do? How, you know, how do I create a business? But what can I offer that will be of value? And how would I monetize it? Mm-hmm. And, and I just took my experience at analyst firms like Gartner and, and DataQuest and my experience in sales and sales tools and came up with this smart selling tools idea. And so what impact do you see that technology and tools are having on sales and salespeople today? I mean, you've talked about this incredible growth and I've yeah, read the same statistics. I think we've gone from, you know, a couple hundred sales and marketing automation tools to a couple thousand, two, three thousand. Mm-hmm. So this exploding universe and certainly 
the pace isn't stopping. Right. What are what are these people seeing out there in terms of you know what the demand is in the marketplace that how they can help sales productivity? Well, right now it's a real crowded space, and so there's a lot of noise. And I think the industry as a whole, we're, we're, it's still very immature as a marketplace, and 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 that means that there's confusion out there. There's a lot of competition for attention amongst sales managers and marketers. Marketers are a lot further ahead than sellers are when it comes to technology. Um, first of all, I think you know their budget and part of their responsibility is to get tools that will help them with marketing. That hasn't really been the case on the sales side. Well, why, why, why do you think that is? You know, the sales, I think it's because that's just traditionally not where it came from. Sales, the only numbers really that mattered were you, what, what revenue came in. Um, and then, you know, we started drilling it down to activity level. Of course, that matters. But marketers have always been expected to to measure everything, right? And and they've also always been given budget to get the tools to measure everything. Not so in sales. Sales, as long as, you know, you, you make your number, nobody really cares uh, how you got it done. They just expect you to make your number. Yeah, and I've always had this perspective that management, especially when it looks at sales, is sort of saying, well, the only sales tool I need is is the salesperson, right? That's what I'm invest, investing in. And somehow right. if I have to invest in this technology to support them, then somehow maybe I don't have the right salespeople. I mean, I, True. I always... That, I think that is a lot of it. And, and I draw the analogy, to just finish the story with, with my dad when I was a kid, and we grew up in Wisconsin, and he'd wake me up at 5.30 in the morning on a winter day to go out and shovel the the driveway so he could get back out of the car and go to work. And I'd say, well, when are we ever going to get a snow thrower, you know, to make this easier so I'm not spending, you know, two hours in the morning doing this? And I said, hey, I've got one. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, that's I, good. I see the same thing with, you know, CEOs and managers and so on. Yeah, I've got all the sales tools I need. I'm invested in these salespeople. Correct. Yep. And, and sales managers did it themselves, right? They typically come up through the ranks. They did it without any tools. They did it with, you know, per, pure gumption and, and skill set and determination and, you know, um, persistence. And, and I think there's still a lot of belief that that's what my salespeople should be doing. A CRM is different, you know, because you, you need a way to keep track of what what you're doing. But primarily the reason I think CRM is so prevalent is that managers feel like they get what they need. You know, it's, it's still a what's in it for me. And managers are not very good yet at thinking about what's in it for the salesperson. And therefore, I think we still have a long way to go before sales tools are going to be considered a critical element for, for a team. I mean, I have a hard time even getting a lot of sales managers to think about why productivity itself is so important and the, the notion of sales capacity and mm-hmm. how we need to use our sales capacity very wisely and optimize it. Sales managers don't typically think about that. They just they really are. And, and part of it is because the time pressure, there's not a lot of time to think about these things for them. They're busy coaching, you know, pushing, uh, having one-on-ones, going on sales calls. So this gets back again to, has anybody been given the responsibility and the budget to say, hey, you are going to look at this as a critical initiative as part of your job, and you will be held responsible for figuring out how do we optimize the use of our sales capacity and what technology is needed to do that. 
Yeah, and I think that this word capacity is really a critical word for you know, anybody that's listening, whether you're an individual salesperson or you're a manager, is, yeah, there's a finite capacity, a finite, it's really measured by time, right? How much time does a salesperson have <laughs> in order to sell something? And as in my point of view, from a manager's perspective, you really need to be thinking about, geez, how much revenue am I generating per unit of time that they have available? That's it. And if you're not thinking about it in that perspective, how do I optimize the number of dollars of, you know, the quantity of dollars of revenue I can generate per hour of salesperson sales time? You got you're, it, Andy. You're, you're, it. Miss, you're missing the boat. Right. It's like revenue per square foot in retail. I mean, exactly. These are the kinds of metrics that have not been put into place yet, but we're, we're getting there. And, and the software solution vendors are helping to educate the market about that. But there's a lot of sales software tools that are still way ahead of the market because we think that the market should be there, but it, it just it just isn't. A lot of times I'll, I'll ask people what their budget for sales tools is, and they still just give me their CRM budget. Yeah. So we have a fundamental disconnect still in terms of where we are versus where we need to get to. Got it. Got it. Well, I want to talk after the break. I want to talk more about the specific tools that you'd recommend that may the categories and some specific examples of tools that uh, you know, companies are using that they're earning an ROI on that that would be useful for people to put to use in their business. Sure. So before I go, though, I want to give you a hypothetical situation to think about, and we'll talk about this as soon as we come back from the break. And you know, you're, here's the situation: is you're a new manager being hired into an existing company where sales have sort of stagnated, and you're under pressure to make things happen quickly. So what would be the two things you would do in the first week that would have the biggest impact for setting a new direction? So think about that. Yep. And uh, we'll be back right after the break. Stay with us again. We're with Nancy Narden, one of the leading experts on sales tools, and she'll share her insights on some specific tools that help you amp up your sales. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Andy. Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly a thousand companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. Welcome back. My guest today is Nancy Narden. You can catch Nancy online at smartsellingtools.com. And make sure you subscribe to her newsletter, a weekly newsletter full of great information about sales tools, marketing tools that can help you drive increased sales. So, Nancy, before I jump into talking more specifically about sales tools, let's get your answer on the hypothetical situation I posed to you before the break. You're a manager, new manager at a company whose sales have stagnated. They want you to come in and make a huge impact quickly, what can you do in the first week? Or what would be the two things you'd do in the first week that could have the biggest impact? Boy, I have, in my mind, that's an easy thing to think about because there's two things in my mind that are, are most critical. And that is, it has to do with the same thing. What's going on? Why, why don't we have the sales traction? And the two audiences that have the answer to that are the sales members themselves and the customers. So I would have, I would set up some interviews with customers and prospects that didn't buy, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, you were, you had a need, you were presumably interested. Why didn't we, why weren't we able to make, you know, a, a connection? 
what caused you to not go forward? I would want to know that. And I would want to know what did cause people to go forward with our solution and, and what they like best about it so that we could start to focus on, on what's working as well as what's not working. And then I would interview the sales members. I, I think that a lot of um, managers don't give sales team people, salespeople, the respect that they deserve in terms of the knowledge that they've gained because we do have a tendency and I do as well to just say, well, that's just an excuse. We're, we're making excuses here, but there probably is some things, some, some elements of truth that we need to be open to hearing about what's going on. And salespeople are the ones that have that. Yeah. I mean, they're the ones that are closest to the action. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good answer. I like that. Yeah. It's a good mix of inside and outside. And as I said, the solution primarily will come from the customers. So let's talk about sales tools. So let's start with sort of the categories of tools that you think are sort of most important for companies to consider investing in today based on the availability of products or good products or maybe even the ROI that, that they've demonstrated that, that companies can get from them. So which, which categories are most important? Let's set aside CRM because you know, everybody sort of knows about that. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because I, I do set aside CRM quite a bit. In fact, I don't even have CRM tools on my site. And and that's because there's already so much focus on CRM. And I don't view CRM as a sales productivity tool. Now, it's a necessary tool. It is a system of record. But I don't think that salespeople should necessarily be using it as their main interface. I think we've gone beyond that. Look, CRM has been around for 35 years and we're still using this sort of database record concept for a salesperson to use to log their everyday activities. And that's not how a human being works. And, and maybe at one point we didn't have the technology to do it any other way, but we do now. Mm -hmm. So for instance, why can't we, by virtue of dialing, and using a phone, why can't that be logging in the phone call that was made automatically? And then perhaps calling up a screen, a call disposition screen, when when it when it um, notes that the call is is over, mm -hmm. allows a salesperson to just check off a couple boxes. This is what happened. This is what happened. This is the next step. This is you know the competitors we talked about. Whatever. That's the kind of automation that I think is needed. And so anyway, that's, I got up on a tangent, but that's why I, I don't talk about CRM so much. So getting back to the categories, and we actually just did a survey on sale, sales tools, uh, consideration, acquisition, and performance. And we asked about 13 different types of sales tools category. So I won't go over all of them. But for an example, you know, e-signing is one and co sales contract management is one. Uh, quoting, pricing and configuration is one. iPad or tablet tools like mobile catalog and visit reporting and those mm -hmm. types of things is one. Um, sales intelligence. So just, you know, having prospect lists and being able to look up and filter based on size of company and those types of things. Those are some of the tools that we asked about whether they were in use, whether they were being implemented, whether they had evaluated them and declined, uh, you know, basically all the different 
options of of where a sales tool could be in terms of usage within a company. Right. And so which were the most popular? Were those the ones yeah. you named? Um, so uh, not, no, not really. So the ones that are the, were rated the most popular uh, in terms of usage were uh, three of them. One was prospect communication and engagement. And the way we defined that was uh, some anything that would augment email as a delivery tool mm-hmm. uh, of follow-up information. And, and so that might be something like a Yesware or, or a LiveHive or a clear slide. Okay. So, and maybe just for people that aren't familiar with those, explain functionality. Basically, they give you the ability to track whether emails have been opened or mm-hmm. whether the content you've attached to an email has been opened. You know, you know, if you have a PowerPoint presentation you attach to an email, you can tell whether it's been clicked on. In some cases, like with clear slides, you can even tell which slides they've looked at, right? Exactly. Yep. Yep. And this is very important insight for a salesperson uh, because, and I'll just give you an example. So let's say that you send an email out. Most of the time, we have no idea what happens after that. We have to spend time, mental time, and we have to spend energy just thinking about, well, what's the right time to call back? Did they even get the email? Should I send a follow-up in two days to say, hey, did you get it? What do you think? So that's a lot of time and energy and resources. If you think back to capacity that we were just talking about, that's not a good use of sales capacity. So if instead you send an email and it's got some sort of tracking code in it that can tell you, guess what? This customer just opened your email. Well, that would be a great time to pick up the phone and give them a call because you know that they are actively engaged and thinking about your solution or that they are reading your proposal. Um, another yeah, or, or they've, you know, they've yeah. come back three times to look at your proposal. I mean, I, I think that's right. right. Yeah, that indicates the level of interest. Exactly. I mean, I think that for, and I just make the blanket statement that if, again, if you're a sales manager or a business owner, yeah, you're making a fundamental mistake today. If you're not, investing in these tools and these tools are for the most part are very inexpensive uh, i know yeah. some can be more expensive but something like yesware i think is still on the lower end in terms of price uh, certainly high functionality but you know if you're gonna spend 10, 10 bucks a month or whatever it is 20 bucks a month it's nothing and you give your salespeople so much great intelligence that they can use an example that you gave is a perfect one i i use it that way <laughs> you know if i'm sending an email out to a prospect and they open the email if they the first time maybe i won't call them if they open again a second time Soon thereafter, yeah, I pick up a phone call. Yep. And and I absolutely agree with you. There's no excuse. This is a fundamental tool that everyone needs in their toolbox. There's no reason why you, you shouldn't have it. Um, and just one other quick example, and this has happened to me. I've talked to a client that said, or a prospect that said, you know, we're probably not going to be ready to do anything for a couple of months. And I don't know, you know, 30 days later, I start seeing these emails being opened by this person. Well, I could have been sitting here waiting an extra 30 days because they had told me originally two months. Mm -hmm. Now I know that something's going on that has stirred their interest and I better pick up the phone and reach out to them. Yeah. And it's... I know some people on the surface, I've talked to some management types saying, you know, that's a little creepy, you know, it's not creepy. (laughs) It's just, it's the way the the technology works. It gives you some insights. And that's really what you want is you want insights that you can take, take action on. And 
Yeah, this is just yeah. to, to me is an essential tool that that every sales organization should have. Absolutely, and creepy could come into it if you you just have to do it right. You don't want to like it, it, while as soon as you see they opened it, you don't want to call and go, oh, I can see that you're reading my email. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, exactly. Right. You just have to know how to do it the right way. I kind of equate it to those. Um, what do you call them when focus groups, right? When people get into a room and there's a big mirror and you, you, you know, there's someone on the other side watching you. Right. But, and that's okay. As long as you can pretend you don't know, but for instance, if the, someone turned the light on and now you could see people and they were watching you, you'd act a whole lot different. Now, nothing changed. Well, and actually, you know, now when I get email from people that I assume that they're tracking, so yeah, <laughs> I can't tell people, well, I didn't get that email if I opened it because there's a good chance they know that I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's true. Uh, so the second one that, uh, so, so um, of, uh, of the people that responded, 57% were using a tool like we've just talked about. Okay. And then the second and third place tied for 55% of uh, people using it. And, and the second one, uh, well, the, the next two were pipeline management and deal flow. Now, this is different from uh, CRM. The way we defined this w was tools that help you map out and understand the you know buyer journey. Mm -hmm. um, so these might be tools like um, uh, uh, like a membrane or a uh, revigy. Uh, that and these are things, for instance, that will help you. Uh, map out the decision makers, like do an org chart. So spell um, the second one. It was membrane and Revegy, R E V E G Y. Okay. And and I'm I'm not sure. That seems a little high for these tools. I think maybe some people did interpret this as a CRM. Um, that would be my take on it. Although we did define it, and that was not how it was defined. But anyway, that's what that category of tools does. Uh, and and a part of this is salespeople, you know, if you're working a lot of accounts and, a, and or even just one, you know, a couple of big accounts that have a lot of players in it, you, you need a way to help you prioritize your follow-up. You need a way to help you figure out who's who, who you haven't contacted yet, who you haven't persuaded that needs to be persuaded, you know, what the buying process looks like. And that's what those tools help with. And then uh, the third one was inside sales tools. So these would be things like dialers. Um, it would be things like lead routing that, uh, you know, when a, when a call comes in, you route it to the right person. Uh, it could be an inside sales software, CRM-like software where, you know, it calls up the record of that person because it recognizes it by the phone number. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, um, inside sales is growing tremendously because we know that people are busier and busier and don't really want to meet in person. And we are finding that it's not necessary anymore in today's world in a lot of cases. So inside sales and SDRs or sales development reps, someone who's kind of in between inside sales and a, an account rep, that practice area is really growing. So it's not surprising that that's a tool that's in high usage. Yeah. Well, I, and I sort of find it interesting is that I've always thought that sales was predominantly an inside sales uh, profession anyway, right? I mean, you look at the bulk of time and, you know, take door-to-door uh, -door salesmen out of the equation and there aren't that many of those left anymore. But, you know, through the 
arc of my career is with the products I sold. I, I probably had, I don't know, five to one, six to one inside contacts versus, you know, face-to-face contacts with customers. So it's, you know, you don't, you don't need a call center to be considered inside sales, which is my point is, you know, if you've got even a normal sales environment, what I might call a hybrid where, you know, the bulk of the work has be done in the office or on the phone, investigate some of these tools. Right. But, but that's really not what we're talking about for inside sales. Oh, I understand. Yeah. Okay. So, um, but you're, you're, to your point, you're absolutely right. I mean, when I was carrying a bag and I was always, you know, at the top and I remember someone coming into my office and going, I always see you on your computer. You know, what, what do you do? What are you doing? (laughs) And, And that just goes to your point. A lot of it is inside sales. I mean, inside work, if you will. And, and what I was doing is, I was researching, I was thinking of things that would be of interest to the prospect that I could send to them without it being a, a strict push for to get the deal. You know, I was nurturing. That's what I was doing, right? And yeah. so a lot of a lot of inside work is is nurturing and figuring out strategy. Well, yeah, and I, my point was that even if you're not in a strictly sort of more call center oriented, SDR oriented inside sales environment, sort of high volume, outbound, proactive business development, but you still have, you know, proactive business development requirements. You got to go out and prospect, you know, some of these tools you talked about, even in lower volumes, you know, a dialer, you know, some of the access to the databases like Avention and some of these others you'd mentioned, they're critical to investigate and have as part of your toolkit. Yep. So last question on this, and then we'll hop on to the last segment of the show is, is should salespeople invest their own money in some of these tools if their companies won't? Oh, I think so. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And and they are starting to because they're used to that idea. We have these app stores and we've got phones that we, we look for apps for. So if you're in sales and you're not thinking about going out and just getting your own tools, I think you're a little crazy because... Um, or and or lazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I hate to say it, but come on, you know, this is a new world. If you want to be the top at the top of the heap, you got to find ways to put yourself there. And and that may just be a combination of scale sales skills, but also tools to you. And at the prices we're talking about for some of these tools that don't require any kind of back end integration, um, like a Yesware or a LiveHive or even a ClearSlide. Uh, there's no reason why you shouldn't just sign up for those on your own. Yeah, I mean, you think about it, it's a fraction of a percentage of your income or your potential income. So, yeah, do what you can to optimize your performance and investigate and purchase some of these tools, even if you have to do it on your own. It's like investing in your own training, right? If you're a salesperson, you want to can't wait for your company to necessarily train you. You have to be reading about sales, reading sales books, attending webinars, online training, so on, on your own, if need be, yeah. to to boost your productivity. So, well, great. Good suggestions. So let's move into the last segment of the show, what I call the sales corner and give you some rapid fire questions. You can give me one word answers or you can, you know, elaborate if you wish. So what's the most powerful tool in your sales arsenal? I would say if I think about the tool that I use every day, all day, just because of the work that I do, Mm -hmm. it would be I I would have to go back to the live hive or 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 yes where kind of example, because that really you can't do without that. But but I was going to say what I was going to say, and you can decide what you want to do with this. But <laughs> what I was going to say is um, the uh, Snagit, which is a tool that allows you to grab 
you know, uh, images. Screen uh, capture, yeah. Exactly. Now, that's you wouldn't you wouldn't think of as a sales tool, but if you're in sales and you're going to be calling on a client or a prospect, maybe you want to grab their logo right off the web. Maybe you want to grab some things out of a presentation you saw or a couple of tweets that prove that something is of interest to them or that shows you've done your research. It could, you know, definitely be helpful for those for sales activities as well. Okay, that works. So what's the one book every salesperson should read? I'm going to, I'm going to say that it is not what you would think of as a sales book. Mm -hmm. I would say pick up the books by Dan and and, uh, Chip Heath, their brothers. Right. And they're also professors at, uh, or at least one of them, I think they both are. And they write books about the decision-making process. Um, one is called Made to Stick. Yep. One is called Switch. How do you get people to move and change, which is really what sales is all about. Mm-hmm. One is called uh, Dis- uh, Decisive. Um, yeah, I, I don't know that one. I know the first two you mentioned. Yeah. Decisive. I think it's called Decisive. It's something, something like that. And it's about how people make decisions. And I read these books and I think about it in terms of, of sales. How can we apply this? One of the concepts I, I really like is this concept of, of ooching. And so often we, we want to get the prospect from where they are now to signing a contract. Well, you know, that's not how people work. That's a big process. I'm not sh- sure I'm comfortable with it yet. You're asking me to marry you when we really just met. Mm-hmm. So this concept of ooching, and this is not how they really applied it, but it, it does apply this way, which is to say, you know, let's, let's help the person test their hypotheses. So if your prospect, obviously they're thinking that this could be something that would be useful. So instead of pushing for a sale, how can we help them test that hypothesis? How can we say, you know what, let's just put the decision aside for the moment and let's just test the hypothesis that, you know, your sales rep will be able to make a lot more calls. And because if that's not true, then we, we don't even really need to go further in our thinking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and that takes the pressure off. It shows that you're, you have their interests in mind. It shows you want to work with them. And guess what? You're going to probably get them from A to Z a lot faster. But it's because you're not focused on Z, you're focused on B. Let's go from A to B. Right. And let's go from B to C. So that's why I like those books. Okay. Love it. So books by the Heath Brothers. What's your favorite music to listen to to psych yourself up for an important sales call? Oh, I like, um, well, my favorite, my favorite song that psychs me up every time is um, I'm Walking on Sunshine. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's that just that probably dates me too much. But I, love that. <laughs> I like that song. Well, I, I don't know. I think maybe the TRS-80 did, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Why am I worried about it now? It's like, yeah. uh, that's that's say, um, pink. I love p- anything by Pink. Okay. Fired up as well. There, that's a little more contemporary. <laughs> so, what's the first sales activity you do every day? Every day, I think about what are the things that I have to get done that day. What are my top priorities? And that that's because I know I need to focus. There's so many things that could you know distract a salesperson or me. <laughs> And, and so that's what I do. I figure out these are the things I've got to get done. And oftentimes the things that I don't want to do, I least want to do that seem the most difficult. Those are the ones I try to do first, because those are typically the ones that are the most important. Okay. And last question from this group is, 
What's the one question you get asked most frequently by salespeople? How do I get a prospect to engage with me? They don't put it that way, right? But they'll say, you know, how can I, how can I get an at bat? Mm-hmm. That's the most difficult thing in today's world, I believe, is everyone's busy. Technology has not helped us in that regard. It's just like um, when I was at Radio Shack, the most amount of RAM you could get was 24 uh, megabytes. And we, we just thought, well, what, do you really need that much more RAM? But you know, <laughs> it's, the more RAM you have, the more memory needs you have. And the same goes for our own activity levels and our own resources. The more technology we have to help us with things, the more things we end up needing to do. So it's, that's what your buyers live in. That's mm-hmm. the work buyers live in. So if you're in sales, how can you get their attention? You have to differentiate yourself. You have to be authentic. Uh, you have to find interesting tools that can set you apart you know for instance a clear slide mm-hmm. um, that when you have them on the phone boom you just switch them right immediately over to the hey well if, you, if you're on the web right now i can quickly show you x y and z so that allows you to take advantage of the moment you have that person's attention right wait for a meeting you've got your at bat right there okay love it great great answer well, I want this great. I appreciate you spending the time with us today. I want to thank today's guest, Nancy Narden. Nancy, thanks for sharing your, your wisdom about sales tools with us today. And how can people learn more about you? Well, they can go to our site, smartsellingtools.com. I, I would encourage everyone to subscribe to our blog as well as our uh, weekly newsletter. And one other thing, and that is that every Thursday at 11 o'clock, we have a different featured vendor give a demo. So in 30 minutes, once a week, you can learn about tools without having to figure out who do I talk to, getting involved with a salesperson, just show up for the webinar for 30 minutes. And in no time, you'll know about a whole bunch of tools and you can decide which ones are good for you. I like it. All right. Make sure you check it out Nancy's site at smartsellingtools.com. Subscribe to her newsletter. I do. It's a great way to keep abreast of what's happening in the business. And remember, if you're an entrepreneur, you're in sales. And if you're in sales, you're an entrepreneur. So make sure you make it a part of your day every day to learn something new to help you amp up your business. So until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com.